Last week we started talking about archers getting ready. And uh, obviously with Z and Tembier this morning, that's a beautiful uh, picture. And it reinforces why archers need to get ready. That wasn't the only reason why God told us that. That situation with the Tem- oh, should say with Danielle, baby Danielle being intensive care was just a um, a demonstration of why you need archers. That wasn't the reason why we call God's calling for archers. Archers is another word for intercessional prayer, a church that can rise up in prayer. And, and as I said last week, I shared last week when I was in Switzerland earlier on with Paul this year, it was prophesied over me that God spoke to me. He said, "I want you to raise fifty intercessors." How many? 50. There may be more than 50 in this room right now. There may be less. That's not the issue. The word of the Lord comes, raise 50. If there's more, brilliant, but raise 50. So we sent our letters out. We sent our uh, emails out and uh, it's good to see that people are responding. And to those people who responded, to those I will continue to respond on that vein. But for those who are here this morning, I will speak because the, uh, the door's not shut, obviously. Because God says raise 50. And um, it's important that we raise intercession, intercessional saints who know how to stand on the front lines of battlefield and pray until victory comes. Pray until victory comes. It's so important that, how many of you know that if God's going to raise 50 up, he needs materials. Materials have to go through process. It takes time and it takes process to build and develop something in life. Nothing is built overnight, is it? Rome is not built overnight or in a day. It's not built that easy. Anything that's built in a 24-hour period has not got durability. So God wants us to have durability, long-lasting, you know, uh, tenacity, so we can go all the way because the battle gets fierce over our lives. You know, the storm rages the storm rages. You may not be in a battle right now, but you know, people say you're either going into a battle, coming out of a battle, or in the midst of one. Either way, if you you know, you're going to taste battle. And last week we talked about how uh, Jonathan and David turned to fight, and the rest of the army had no weapons, which was a bad place to be. We're not going to take you to the front lines of the battlefield and not give you any weapons. Some of you are saying, I'm not coming. That's okay, the battle will come to you. You know that? The battle will come to you and you'll be found wanting and then you'll try and find the strength around you. But you'll never have that strength. You see, you see, Z knows how to pray. But he was able to draw on the army. But he himself, along with his wife, know how to pray. So they felt the strength of the, of the army, even though the army wasn't physically in that room, the army was with them. The God of the army was over them. Amen? But the, the saints in prayer join together. And there's no greater force on this earth than people. When people get together under the name of the Lord and the Spirit of God on them, there's no force that can shift us. You're gone. You're gone. It's as simple as that. So, we don't want people who will pray their own thoughts. We don't want people who will pro- pray their own desires or not in this particular field. We don't want people who, who will not take direction We want people who will take direction and stay on the direction course, right? Because most people say, well, I know how to pray. I know what to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. We didn't ask you what you want. 
The whole idea is every army has to take instruction. It has to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and who to do it with. It's called instruction. And if you break commands, you know, if you break instruction in the army, this devastation can, can break out. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23, now Jesus is the perfect person and demonstration to show how possible it is for someone to have to learn to be obedient. Jesus had to be obedient even to his own father. Hebrews tells us that. But in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely. Those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Jesus is the pattern of intercession. He is the perfect pattern to use. He always lives to intercede for what? The saints. So Jesus right now is interceding for us, the saints. Why? Because he's put his, that's where he's put his investment in the saints. He's put his name. He's put his blood. He's put his word. He's put his works. He's put his future. He's put his inheritance all inside the saints. So it stands to reason that he will stand there, intercede. Why? Because he wants to see what is invested come to finish, come to pass. He wants you to lay a hold of the hope inside of you that he's put inside of you. Why? Because he wants to see you finish and finish strong. He wants the joy of saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He wants that joy. So right now, he's there because he's become the high priest forever. He can live to intercede for us. Right now, he's got you on his heart. Isn't that beautiful? God's got you right now on his heart. Jesus Christ is now interceding for the saints because that which he's put inside of you is worth fighting for. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus wants you to become... His ambassador on the earth. He wants you to become his witness. He wants you to become his demonstration of what he's interceding for. Wow. Someone's already got your back. Somebody's already seen what you're going to walk into. And he's already started praying for you before you have a clue what's going on. Jesus is praying. That's why the God who says, I have plans to give you hope and a future. He knows those plans and he's already started praying them into being. So they'll be fulfilled. Why? Because his word will not return empty. So he prays in advance. Wow. Isn't that awesome? He wants this world that's dark and lost to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ through you. Through me. So he's prayed that Jesus was praying for his disciples. He said, Lord, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for me. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. That everything you've given me, I've made known to them and that they'll succeed. So he was praying on the earth and now he's interceding in the heavens for us. Now he gives us the Holy Ghost. 
And the Holy Ghost lets us know what his thoughts are towards us. So we can feel his prayer. We know what his will is. It's better to walk in the way where his prayer is being used. Does that make sense? It isn't, doesn't it make sense to walk in the way, do the things where prayer has gone before you? Rather than trying to walk in a way, down a path, where there's no prayer covering you. That's good, that. If you were smart, you'd write that down. The battle is for you. The battle's over you. It's for you. Somebody wants your life other than Jesus Christ. But Jesus has put his spirit in you so that you'll always know the truth. And the truth will not depart from you. How do we know that truth? Through the conscious mind of the Holy Spirit who reveals the will of the Father, the knowledge of the Father, the thoughts of the Father towards us. Without the Holy Ghost, we don't know what Jesus is thinking, what God's thinking. That's why David said, don't take away your Holy Spirit because if you take away the Holy Spirit, I'll never know what's in your heart. And how many churches don't have the Holy Ghost in them and they never know what's in God's heart. That's why they go back to form, duty, and tradition. It's easier to keep form, duty, and tradition. When you don't know what's in God's heart, you just set up a structure. That'll be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But when you, know, when you, when you have the Holy Spirit moving, he wants to make known Jesus. He wants to make known the Father's will, heart towards us. This morning, God made his heart towards us known. He wanted you to invite him in. The word came. He's ready to take us to the next level. He has seen you. He's heard you. He's like that we've shown you. You know, God gave us the picture of the, of the locks. He's ready to take, flood your harbor, raise you to the next level so that you can meet him at the level he's taken you in. Amen. But what you can't do for you is give you desire. So two, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8, it says, I want men... Everywhere. Where's everywhere? Everywhere. In here? At home? Everywhere. What to? To do what? To lift up holy hands in prayer. Without anger or disputing. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. In other words, there's a type of prayer that God wants. He doesn't want one of anger. He doesn't want one of dispute. He wants one of clarity. He wants men everywhere. Men, ladies, that's you as well. He wants men everywhere to lift up what kind of hands? Holy hands, clean hands, pure hands in prayer. Why? Because the moment you begin to raise your hands in prayer, heaven begins to respond. Wow. Soon as I begin to use the name of Jesus in prayer, heaven straight away listens. Whoa, there's my name down there. And the Spirit of God connects us to the main server, the Father. Straight away we're in unlimited broadband space. We can download everything of heaven. Soon as a saint begins to pray in the name of Jesus, heaven responds. That's why if you blaspheme Jesus' name, he knows. Because he knows wherever his name's heard, he hears that ping, ding, ding, ding. Straight away, he's there. As soon as you blaspheme or curse the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God leaves. That's why anyone who's got Christ in him can never curse. 
You can never use the name of Jesus Christ in vain if you've got Christ. If you don't have Christ and you're religious, you can use whatever name you want. There is a spirit inside me that stops me blaspheming. Why? Because it's mine. It's mine. It's been given to me. It's part of me. Why would I blaspheme myself? He's been given to me. He's been, I've been given a name that is above every other name. He's known in all the heavens. Third heaven, second heaven, first heaven, galaxies. There is nowhere on this earth that God's name is not known and feared. Wow. So the battle is to lift up holy hands. Now you know that. Will you please turn to Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. And this is the battle described in the Bible. It's a powerful battle. And it's Israel versus the Amalekites. And in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight against the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and her, I don't know if that's a woman, (laughs) her went to the top of the hill. Listen, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were what? Winning. So there is a... There is a synergy on the earth that creates momentum in the spirit. Amen. So Moses held up his hands. The Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites began to win. When Moses' hands grew tired, which they would, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up on one side, one on the other so the hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites. What did Joshua do? He overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Then the, then the Lord said to him, write this on a scroll or something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because it will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Wow. Moses spoke to Joshua. Listen, listen to the command. Moses spoke to Joshua. Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. So it's like God speaking to me, raise 50 intercessors who can go out and fight the Amalekites. Whatever the Amalekites are in your life, could be finance, could be sickness, it could be, it could be a job loss, it could be anything. It could be anything that's severely trying to limit you, contain you, destroy your life. It could be something, a threat against your family. It can be, it can be anything. Do you get the picture? It's, it's, a, it's a, an unknown force at this point until you put a name on it. But there is a force there, but just because you haven't got a name on it, I'm giving you a name, it's called the Amalekites. And it went, now, in, for them, it was a physical army. But for us, the Bible tells us that our warfare is not against flesh and 
blood. But it's, about, it's against principalities, rulers in the spirit. So we know our spirits try to manifest themselves through flesh and blood. That's why when you have, you know, chaos on the ground, have you noticed how a whole city can, can everyone, a riot can break out in 24 hours and in the next day, calm. And nobody knows what, what just took place there. A whole city went into chaos for 24 hours. What do you think causes that? They didn't all get an email. They didn't all get an email say, we're going to have a right tomorrow, whatever we like to, we'll turn up on this street and we'll just, you know, what do they call it, loot? No. There's a euphoria that captures people. There are forces that influence the earth. That's why Manchester, a whole Britain, was it two years ago now? Just went into chaos. Chaos. And then all of a sudden, it's in your Bible, read it. When they did it with Paul, the magistrates, everyone went chaotic. And the next day, no one had a clue what had just gone on. Uh, go and get him out of prison now, they can go home. Paul went, whoa, 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 fella. You're going to be accountable for what you did. Nobody had an idea what happened, but the day before, they were all joined together. Rulers and powers. So Moses chooses Joshua, some of our men, to go out and fight the Amalekites. Can God find some fighting men in the house? Men and women. To go and fight the Amalekites. God speaks to a leader. Go and ask your people to fight. To raise them up, train them, do what you've got to do. But get the army ready because spiritual battles are coming that this church needs to fight. We don't know what those battles are, but we're getting ready for it. God lets us know before, because we're ahead of our enemy. God, only God knows what you, one day you're going to pick the phone up, just like Z did. And guess what? The Bible says that you will not fear trouble when it comes to your door. You will not fear it. I've had that phone call from the hospital, just like Z's had. I know what that can do to you. It can paralyze you. But the Bible says we're not going to have that fear. I wasn't strong in God when that happened. In fact, I was kind of, I was a loose liver. I was backslid. But when that phone call comes, we will not, we will not, we will not fall to our knees. Why? Because our God is over, he's warning us now. So if we can get in the spirit now, we've got an advantage over whatever falls upon our life. This is not fear mongering. This is reality. Things happen. We know that. So we need to build and develop and train our men so that we can go out and fight our Amalekites. And then he says, tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill. Thank God someone's going to be on the top. Thank God the Lord is going to fight for us. I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands. One of the things that was prophesied to me is that God was giving me a staff. And I've asked God what this staff is and I've had no clarity on it I got caught up with the new coat he was talking about but the staff I always knew what the staff was thought for but in battle a staff can command things that's not that's the part of my life I've not yet seen this this authority work when you can literally shout down a principality and stop something happening over your life and over somebody else's life by the authority of Jesus Christ We've not yet entered that realm yet, church, but we will. When we see cancer and we literally, with one word, we see it shrivel up. 
That's the authority that's coming to us. In intercessional prayer, that's what God gives you. He gives you the right, the power, the force to use his name. Wherever. See, the world curses his name and misuses his name, but the church is given the keys how to use his name. Amen? So he says, I'll stand on the top of a hill with the staff of God in my hand. Whenever you stand with the staff of God in your mouth, what do you think happens? Whenever you stand, if we stand, well, I'll tell you, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 30, verse 11. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Let me say that again as you're flicking through. Some of you are looking and you're not listening. So that's okay, so I'll repeat it again. Now what I'm commanding you today, is God commanding something from us? He is. It's not too difficult for us. And it's not beyond our reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Listen, nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. This is the staff. The word is very near. How very near is it? It's inside. Okay, it's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you may obey it. See today, listen, here's the power of this word. See today, life and prosperity, death and destruction come from that word. Wow. So we have the right in Jesus' name to cause life and health to come to us through this word. When we pray rightly and accurately and we pray what he tells us to pray, then life and death come to us. When we speak accurately, we can speak death to death. What does that mean? Well, again, we're we're not talking to people. We don't speak death over people. That's called witchcraft. Okay? We speak death to principalities. To rulers. Why? Because what do they like to do? They come to kill, steal, and destroy. So we can speak death to death. Death, you're going to die. Instead of death taking victims, death now becomes the victim of our words. Amen? So death now becomes a victim. Death, where is your sting? Jesus took the power of death away. So now Jesus can speak death to death. In other words, your work will no longer be allowed entrance into this camp or over these people. So you speak death to death. Wow. Does that sound good? So I set before you today life. Who wants life? Who wants prosperity? Well, everybody wants prosperity. Death and destruction. I speak destruction over destruction and death over death. Amen. So verse 12, going back to, um, let me go back, where's it gone? Of Exodus, go back to Exodus 17. Let's go back to verse, Exodus 17, verse 12. As long as Moses, so as means circumstances. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites, or the, let's call, let's put it really concept, the dreamerites. As we once used to be called the Bethelites. 
were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, in other words, can't be mithered. Can't be mithered. Not praying today. Stuff them. They can do it. I'm not doing it. Why should I need to be trained? It's more time on my life. Da 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 da. Yada 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 yada. The moment they put their hands down, what happened? I'm glad you asked. The Amalekites began to win. Everything. Jesus said to his own disciples, can you not pray with me one hour? We're tired. Jesus said, this is my moment, boys. This is the moment when I've got to wrestle the greatest. Death is trying to take me, but I will lay down my life. And I'll show you, boys, that I lay down my life because the Father has given me power to take it back up. Death cannot take me. That's why later on Jesus turned around and said, Satan has no hold on me whatsoever. Nothing could grab hold of Jesus. And because Jesus, nothing could grab hold of Jesus, he says, because you're in Christ and you have his authority, that's how we can live. We can live below, uh, above that snake line. So he says, if you hold on to what I'm saying and doing, boys, you can have a part in this. But when tired, bless him. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Intercessional prayer is standing by someone, hand in hand, shield by shield. Yeah? And in the midst of a raging battle. It's standing side by side in the hour of the battle, heat of the battle, locking shields, praying what Jesus has told us to pray. Not your opinions, not your interpretations, but we pray exactly what he tells us to pray. That's what gets results. Not your opinions, not your interpretations. That's the key. People go off and do their own thing. He didn't ask you to pray like that, and we'll look at how to pray. But right now, we've got to stick to what he tells us. Stay on track. And many of us, well, you've got word, you've got opinion, you've got scriptures. Great, that's wonderful. But that's not what you're instructed to pray. God gives us instruction how to take our enemy out of the way. And every enemy has a different way. So we stand by, we hold on like we did with locks on shields for baby Daniel. And we keep praying. That's what I said. Keep praying. Little by little, God will restore her. Little by little, she will be restored. Because sometimes we think, oh, she's, she's only got, what is it, percentage she's got now? 28%. Oh, well, God hasn't answered the prayer. No, God is answering the prayer. If the saints back down now, she stays at 28%. But if we keep on for full restoration, 28 becomes 35, 35 becomes 78, 78 becomes 100. Can we take the battle to the end? Or because we get a bit of good news now, we back off. No, she's not fully restored. But we think because she's here now, oh, it's okay. No, we've not finished. We must, little by little, take that word. Today, I increase her percentage. I increase the percentage by the Spirit of God. You watch that girl's life begin to increase. All God did was take 
was take death off that child. But now the restoration is up to us and the church partnering with the Holy Ghost. 100% settle for nothing less. That's the thing about bat- fighting a battle. When Carol lost her voice and the, and the, and the um, consultant said to me, at best we can only give her 33% back of her voice. I looked at him and went, you're joking, aren't you? And he looked at me and say, I'm God, you're not. And I looked at him to turn around and say, you ain't God. You're not God. And this, this persona came on him like, what do you know? You're, the, you're just a mank. What do you know? What you don't know, fella, is I serve the living God. So what happens is, 33%, I said to him, you're not touching her. What do you mean, not touching her? What you, this, this is the only surgery left. No, I know another surgery. That night she stands here. We lay hands on her. 100% voice came back. Whose report will you settle for? You know what they couldn't do? We thank God for doctors. We thank God for them. Absolutely. That these, these people go and study and put their life to this course. We need doctors. But listen, when they come to the end of their profession, their knowledge, their skill, there's another one. There's another one who speaks. And now, Carol's 100%. Daniel will be 100%. If, if, if you don't back down. Well, it's there, the parents. It's their responsibility. No, it was proclaimed in your hearing. Little by little, she'll be restored. Confident about that. But we must keep praying. So we lock shields. Verse 12, I think stay verse 12. They did what they could to give him support by taking a stone and putting it under him. To sit on. Every time some we heard a report in this house... If you can do what you can to put a stone under the person who needs the support. They got the stone. It was their effort. They got the stone and they put it under him so we could sit on it. Your prayer keeps the person upright. It keeps the spirit buoyant. It keeps their attitude positive. Because once the battle gets into your soul, you're gone. Because your emotions, your mind, your will, all begin to crumble inside. And your spirit then is not allowed to praise or to exercise its strength. So the soul is the weak part. The body is the weak part. It's amazing when your spirit's up, you'll fight anything and anyone. But the moment you feel, don't feel too good in your emotions, guess what? The whole lot collapses. It's not about what I feel. It's about what I know is good for me. So if I can see you're struggling and you get that stone, that stone's prayer, you get it under that person, jam it under the backside, get them upright. Keep praying. Keep supporting. Why? Because they want to let go because they're tired. Because the situation's wearisome. We lose hope. We lose faith. Scripture's full of it. But it's only through the saints keep praying that something changes. And something will never change if you don't do something. It's not always God's responsibility. You work with God. 
Now, where you are flat down, flat taken out, God overshadows you and does it. God will raise up an intercessor from another nation to pray for you and they don't even know you. And they'll feel this burden come upon them to pray for someone. So that person now becomes an instrument and an arrow of the Lord. God can take out of his own quiver. You've never met the person, don't know the person. But God begins to lay in your heart to pray for someone. It doesn't matter. You may never meet that person. But God had his warriors on the ground. And you'll never know, church, who God had to use to keep you in the game. Wow. How many times do we hear, you hear people give testimonies when they were going to die. And they say, I just knew that someone was praying for me somewhere. The prayers of the saints are powerful. Powerful. I'm not talking about religious prayers. I'm talking about prayers that have sincerity. Prayers that have purity. Prayers that are desperate. Prayers that use the word. I'm not talking about, oh, Father, we beseech you in the name of Jesus, our Lord Jesus. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. That's called complimentary prayer. I'm talking about, oh, God, I need you. Where are you, God? Oof. You feel the air stand on the back. The desperacy of God comes upon you. God, send someone to fight with me. I can't handle this battle, oh God. It's too strong. Horse says, help, dream center. Archers, rise. Run to the field. These guys need your prayer. We can pray for nations. Governments. Someone on the earth right now is praying for those Nigerian kids. Someone. God will always have a representation. You read it and you go, oh, and it's it's sad about what happened in Nigeria. Somebody took it a step further. Somebody took it into the prayer cave. I command life to come. We haven't seen the evidence of it yet, but someone's praying. Someone's praying. Amen? They did what they could to give him support. By taking a stone and putting it under him to, so he could sit on. And Aaron and, you know, Aaron and Ur, I'd love to know who it is, held his hands up in the midst of the battle. That's what it's all about. We held Z and Tembe, hands up in the midst of the battle. Doctors are saying, oh, it's bad, she's ill. But someone's praying. Someone's praying. Wow. Well, verse 12. Listen. And so their hands remained steady until sunset. Until, until it was over. Until completion. Until there was no more light left. And the enemy could no longer fight. Because he's now been blinded because of the dark. Until they held their hands steady. In other words, they kept their position. Are we able to stay steady in the midst of the battle? Are we able to wrestle until the sun sets? Wow. Wow. Church, that's the challenge for us. Can we hold steady? Can you fight for what's precious to you? Can you fight for your marriage? Can you fight for your children? Can you fight for your environment? Can you fight for your friends? Can you fight for our nation? Can you fight for the city? Can you fight for the church? Have you got a fight in you? And can you hold steady in the fight? 
That's the challenge. Now, corporately together, we're great, we're stronger than when we're on our own. So when we come together, there's energy and strength. And from that strength, it should empower you to stand on your own. That's why, you know, no battle's fought on its own. It's always fought with an army. But you can be on your own and still be part of the army. Verse 13, so Joshua came, overcame the Amalekites with the sword. That word that's in his mouth, that word that's in his heart. You, you might say, well, I'm a new Christian and I don't know a lot. You know more than somebody who doesn't know Christ. You don't have to know a lot. You just have to know the one. Get to know the one. Let him use your mouth in prayer. You open your mouth and he'll give you some words to pray. And you think, well, I don't know if I'm praying the right thing. Just trust the Holy Ghost. That's called starting out. It's called letting him begin now to guide you. And then later on, you'll hear somebody say something. That's what I was praying. And he goes, I know, because I led you. And then you think, hey, I can hear God too now. And God says, hey, hey, welcome to the party. So when when Joshua overcame the Amalekites with a sword... For the word of God is living and active. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. That's in your mouth. This word is in your heart. That word is, is like a sword, a double-edged. Cut the enemy out. You can, you can destroy death with this sword. 14. Write on a scroll something to be remembered. Every household needs a scroll that you can remember God's victories. I can remember all my victories. Here's my victory right now. Benjamin, my, my youngest son. He's my victory. I've got loads of victories. Loads of victories. Why? Because I've seen the hand of God move. You know, my kids are never going to say to me, Dad, this is all false. Turn around and say, do you remember when your mum had no voice? Yeah. Do you remember when Ben was in hospital? Yeah. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? Right. Shut up. Case dismissed. Now you present your evidence why he isn't real. I'll take your silence as being, you've been a bit stupid. Have your testimonies. Your first one's always the big one. But once you get one, you think, right, I'll go and take the big enemy out now. Whoa, calm down. Give me a savvy. Calm down. Verse 14, right on a scroll. This is called a testimony to remind, listen, the future generations that God can do this. Each and every family must have a testimony where you can show your children the miracles of God and how he's moved. That way, the generational baton gets transferred. It's no use just bringing your kids to church. Let them see the power of God. Let them taste the power of God. Then your God will become their God. He's not, your, he's not their God just because you bring him to church. He's not. This is the mistake that many, many, many people have made. Because I bring my kids to church, we're all the same. No, we are not. Why? Because it comes to us by revelation. Christ has to come to us by revelation. It's not something we just pick up and put down. He has to come to us by revelation. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Jesus Christ, how can I... Say these words to an invisible force that I love you, I need you, I want you, until he's been revealed to you. This morning, that song, Here I Will Bow Down, it means nothing to some of us because we've not met him. 
We don't know him. We regularly meet with him. So it's just a song, but to others we say, we capture him straight away. Here I will bow down and say that I love you. You is not someone who I meet and talk to. Last scripture, verse 15. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne, uh, to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Through intercessional prayer, we discover the Lord is our banner, meaning that he is our very protection and the very covering over our lives. You see, Peter, the, uh, you know, the disciple Peter said, I'm just trying to find that scripture. Oh, in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, it said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. So Satan came to Jesus and asked him, can I have, let's get, use this in, in a modern day context. Satan, so let's just say I'm Jesus. Satan comes to me and says, I want Phil. I want to sift him. You know, they want to ruin his life. So Satan comes to Jesus because at this point, Jesus has not overcome death. Can I take him? What did Jesus do? Stepped in, listen, on Phil's behalf, and I will intercede to him before my father. I will use my name, and I'll use the father, and the father will become his covering and his protection because my blood yet has not been spilt. So the father will become his covering, Peter's covering, and his banner. So Jesus could step back and say, Peter, Satan has come. But I want you to know that me and my Father and the Holy Ghost together have become your covering, your banner, and your protection. So I said, jog on, Satan. He has asked me to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you much. Jesus stepped in. Thank God that Jesus stepped in. Isn't that beautiful? So when the battle comes, you can either join those who are fighting for the same cause, or you can be a rogue soldier fighting a battle that no one else is fighting. It's amazing how many people fight the wrong battle. They fight themselves. They fight others. They fight the one they love. They fight the boss. They don't understand that God's using the environment to perfect, to train, to bring you into maturity and manhood. But you fight your boss. So you fight and fight and fight and it's the wrong battle. The Holy Ghost saying, shut up. I'm trying to do something inside of you. But Lord, it feels bad so it can't be you. No, it is me. Well, Lord, I didn't feel your presence. No, and I didn't hear your prayer this morning either. So we can be fighting the wrong battle. God doesn't want us to be fighting the wrong battle. He wants us to be part of the church. And each church is given an assignment. So if we rise, if we rise up and fight for that assignment, then we always know we're in the right battle. And will you have individual circumstances? Yes, but that's what the saints are here for. To join with you. Put their strength. People are in disobedience and they want you to come and fight their battle. Never fight another battle of another man's disobedience. 
Only fight the battle of obedience. Tell the person, if he's been a dipstick and he wants me to come and fight with him, Phil, you've been a dipstick, why should I come and fight? Why should I put my life at risk? Because you're fighting the wrong battle. Jonathan did not have to die. Jonathan's life went too early. He should have stayed with David. Jonathan fought the wrong battle. He fought the battle of honor with his father when he should have stayed with the one who was the king. The one who God's chosen man, David. So Jonathan went early. Don't fight the wrong battle. Let's stand to our feet, please. On that. It's panini time. But before you get to panini, let's settle what we've started. Are we going to fight the right battle, church? Are we going to be like Moses? Are we going to be like Aaron and Ur? But I'm announcing this in the hearing of Joshua. You're Joshua in this analogy. Joshua had to hear something. You have to hear something. Joshua had to hear what was going on so it would become a testimony, a mark for generations to come. The battles that we're about to fight and the victories we're about to fight, right, are being announced in our hearing before they come so that we can prepare. We've got time to prepare. Do you know the analysts, the business analysts, know months ahead before you know what's going down in our nation? They know, they can see the patterns, they can see. So they shift the money. The smart ones shift the money. So when it all goes belly up, they've already moved on. It's true. We don't have to be stupid. We don't have to get caught in the rat race. We can come higher. And through prayer, God can show us what's about to happen so we can stand in the gap and, and, and sometimes prevent some stuff and other stuff we'll fight it head on. Amen? You'll never know what you could, could have prevented and you'll never know the victories you could have had if you don't join forces. Amen? No man's an island. Not even Madagascar. <laughs> no man's an island. So let's just let, raise our hands right now, if we will, to the Father and say, Father, I hear what's been announced in my hearing. You're raising intercessors. You're raising prayer warriors who know how to stand and become a watchman over their own life. You know. Father, you know what you're doing. Pray. Father, I want to be that watchman. Who will stand and be an instrument of the Lord. Lord, I'm young. I don't know a lot. But Lord, I'm ready to learn. Put a sword in my hand. Give me a willing heart to listen and to learn. Give me a willing heart to cross over and do what needs to be done so I can come to my full potential. Lord, I need to be trained. I'm not trained sat down. I'm trained by doing. Partnering. Synergizing. Connecting. Locking in alongside those who are going to do the fighting. So, Father... I willingly give myself to this cause. So, Lord, I can protect my family. I can protect the things that, you, that are dear to your heart. Because the things that are dear to your heart, Lord, I want them to become dear to my heart. So I will rise up and pray 
with the full force and the full authority that Jesus Christ has given me. Father, today I enlist. I enlist through the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, by the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.